I want to be one of those people that's like really crafty and makes homemade things that are super cool and beautiful, but I'm just not. That is why I'm going to get my fill, and I hope you will too, with the awesome Carolina today when she breaks down for us her amazing quilting YouTube channel. Let's do it. Welcome to the Women of YouTube podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, Desiree Martins. Every week, I'm going to be showing up in your earbuds to inspire you on your YouTube journey with killer interviews with women YouTube creators, deep dives into the inner workings of how YouTube works, and discussing all the things about YouTube culture and the impact it is having on our world. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with vidIQ, where they help you maximize your videos and YouTube reach by studying titles, description, tags, and playlists relevant to your subject matter, while also studying your competitors to help you know exactly what you should be doing for your YouTube growth. So if you're a female creator looking to grow your channel, level up your content, and learn from the best women creators on the platform to get you on your way to YouTube success and future-proofing your income, this is the perfect place for you. Let's do this. What's up, ladies? Thank you for letting me spend time with you today. I am super grateful that you're here for another episode of the Women of YouTube podcast. Like I said in my introduction, I am not... Like, I want to be a crafty person. In fact, I am very artsy. Like, I have a background in art, and, like, it's what I've done my whole life, and I used to make things, and I can sew, like, a hem. But, like, if you want me to make, like, a really cool, like, ornate, like, butterfly stitching situation onto a quilt, I am not your girl. Which is why I had such a great time talking with Carolina. She just makes really cool, beautiful things on the internet and then wants to teach you how you can do them too. So many people think that quilting is for like old people or something to do when you're retired or whatever. But you know, Carolina is young and vivacious and just really into making really cool things. And she talks about like how she's built a business, how she makes time for it, especially because she's a mom and, and how she dealt with it through COVID and how she was able to still have growth and, and do cool things while also like homeschooling her kids and stuff. In this interview, she actually shows me what her her, um, her room looks like that she does this all in. And so she's just was really open about like the difficulties, but the awesomenesses that come with it. If you guys haven't had a chance yet, make sure you head over to the women of YouTube Facebook group where you can find it facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women of YouTube. And if you search on Facebook, it's women of YouTube official. Um, you want to make sure you go in there and watch the replay if you haven't already watched it or you were there for the live stream of my breakdown and tutorial about vidIQ, our new partner for the podcast. I think this might have been one of the smartest moves I made for the podcast because where TubeBuddy is very much a, a, a productivity tool and they do a lot of really great things and, and have a lot of features, vidIQ is dedicated to helping you use data to find the right things for you to create and for you to do so that you can have YouTube growth. And I break it down and we're going to be doing a lot more trainings over there and do a lot more awesome things that you're not going to want to miss. Make sure you go check out vidIQ. You can sign up for free over at womenofyoutube.com forward slash vidIQ. All right, let's dive into this episode with Carolina and I hope that you have the bug to create after this talk. I am so excited to dive into this journey and adventure with you, Carolina. 
I am so just impressed with people that can do all the things that you do. So I cannot wait to talk to you about it all. Um, maybe I'll get you a little less impressed by uh, the time we're done chatting. We'll see. <laughs> I, I have a hard time believing that. Like, I'm sure I'll just be nothing but more impressed with you. So, okay. We start the same way every time. Why YouTube? Why YouTube? Yeah, so my background is actually in advertising and marketing. Uh, I have an undergrad in advertising and I actually recently got my MBA, but I worked in advertising, marketing, and sales for years. And I actually started doing SEO back when, like, you wanted to rank on um, Yahoo. That's how long ago I started doing SEO stuff. And YouTube is its own search engine. If you want, like, it's this, actually the second largest search engine in the world. And if you want to show up on YouTube, you have to have YouTube videos up. It's there's the only way that you can rank in this search engine. And so I had to start doing it, which was absolutely crazy for me because I did not have a videographer at my wedding. I hired a combo team husband, wife that, so I had two photographers and no videographer because I hate myself on video that much. And here I am doing YouTube. So it's funny. You know, I think that a lot of people have that thought process when it comes to seeing themselves on camera and being on camera. There's this whole uncomfortable, a frustrating like phobia of camera. So obviously since you are a YouTuber and you show yourself and your work and stuff, what is it that you did to overcome it? So hopefully we can, those of us that do struggle can, can learn from you. So my first YouTube videos were mostly lives. Uh, that was when Google plus was a big thing and there were Google hangouts on air and you could do a Google hangout on air, which was like a recorded Google hangout. And so I would do it with a friend so we could be able to chat back and forth, which is a little more comfortable when instead of like monologuing to a camera, so it was back and forth with a friend and it was live. So there's no post-production because then when I started doing more edited video, it, it got a little more cringy because watching yourself on video and like watching yourself just be stupid. is just like my mouth does this thing on the side and I hate it. And like, couldn't I have like brushed my hair? Like, didn't I just bother looking in a mirror before I got on? Like all those things afterwards that you can't fix in post you just have to start getting over yourself. And there was a lot of getting over myself that I had to do, <laughs> but you just do, it just is. And it was funny. I had a conversation with um, my mastermind group and we were talking about doing video and some of the gals want to do more video. And one of them was saying, just do video. Like so many of us have a complex about, Oh my gosh, I'm fat. And I just, I'm fat on video and I don't want to be fat on video. And like, look at all that weight, especially like COVID, like I gained the COVID-19 and then some, Oh, like, look at all of this. Right. Um, nobody is, nobody's surprised that you're fat. Nobody's looking at that. It doesn't matter. And my response was yes, but I'm surprised. I'm like, where did this come from? So yeah, you just get over yourself because you're the only one who's really looking at it, honestly. No, I hear you on that. Like, it's just, and you know, we, we do all the tricks and, and try and make ourselves more comfortable. And I always tell people like, you look the way you look like it's not going to like you're just hurting yourself more by, by not being there, not showing up. So I think that's really great advice, honestly. So tell us about your channel. What, what do you do? Um, why do you do it? Tell us how you got into that, this whole thing. 
Sure. So my channel is primarily quilting. There's some crafting on there as well, but it's really mostly quilting. And I started quilting when I was 12. I'll actually be 41 next month. Uh, but I started quilting when I was 12. I've been doing it a really long time. I worked at a quilt shop for several years. I've taught a lot of quilting classes and I've been able to teach locally and then also national quilting classes at big events. And I love quilting and I love teaching people how to quilt and I have two kids and it started getting really difficult to be able to teach an in-person class, especially locally, because like those classes get booked out several months in advance. So people have time to sign up for them. And I'd have to make sure that my husband was off on those days to be able to stay home with the kids or I'd end up hiring a sitter. And by the time I hired a sitter for the sitter to come over, me to give them their little spiel of how to watch my kids, me to drive to the quilt shop, be there in time to set up, teach the whole class, stay after for questions and then cleaning up and then drive home. I was paying the sitter more than I was making. Um, and I was getting a nice little vacation and, and hanging out with other adults who love doing what I was doing. But there's a point where it's just not sustainable to pay to teach a class. And if I'm going to pay to teach a class, I should do it on my own platform, which is YouTube. And that's really what started getting me to do more of the quilting teaching on YouTube. So tell us about your early videos. What is it that you were teaching people? What was it that you were doing? What did they look like? Like, I'm always so fascinated by such visual um, like such a visual medium, which is crafting and in your case, quilting and making stuff. Like how were you able to like, I guess like muddy through it, struggle through it and figure out like what worked for you. It didn't work for you. So my early videos were those Google hangouts on air. Yeah. Um, there's one that's actually really blurry, like really, really like some of the comments are even like, you're so out of focus. Like what's going on. There was a thumbprint on my, um, my camera screen on my computer <laughs> uh, and I had no idea like I thought that it was just like pixelated because and that it would be fine on the other end nope nope the whole thing is all smudged um so there's definitely some rough I tell people when they're just starting out like your first ones expect them to be trash and be okay with it and just like I don't go back and delete those or edit them they don't really get any views I'm not worried about it if someone wants to go back and look at the early parts of my journey that's the early parts of my journey like that's my story and I'm totally like it got me to where I am today and I'm pretty happy with where I am now. So I'm totally fine with that part of my story. They're not all pretty. Um, then after like moving away from doing the lives and starting to wanting to do a little bit more like curated and, and step out. And um, I did, I started editing on like Windows Movie Maker. Um, I actually did some work with some other brands. So um Fave Crafts and Fave Quilts, um, they're in Chicago and they flew me out to Chicago to film with them. And I learned a lot through that process because I got to work with people who really knew what they were doing, like had gone to school for what they were doing and were professionally doing it instead of like kind of stumbling through it like I was. And so I learned a lot through that process of how to set up a shoot and how to do the shoot and then seeing the videos on the back end and kind of figuring out what they did to, to make it that way and how they were doing multiple camera angles. And so after that, I started trying to incorporate multiple camera angles in my own work. And so it just, it was an evolution. So now I'm at a point where I'll often do two or three angles in a video, depending on the video. Like some of them will still just be one angle because it's a quick little clip and I'm totally fine with that. Um, and uh, I, I now edit in uh, Premiere Pro, which there's still way more buttons on there that I don't know what they do yet. Um, <laughs> that's okay. But it, it, I didn't start out, okay, let's do three angles with, you know, studio lighting and a setup that stays up all the time. And like, no, I started with my desk. I think that's the best place to start, like make bad videos and then just learn and get better. And I love that you got the hands-on experience. It sounds super cool. 
Speaking of cool things, what has been the coolest thing that has happened to you from being a YouTuber? <laughs> um, so like, can I think of a second thing? Cause I don't know that I want to say this first one, but um, no, the coolest thing is hearing my eight-year-old introduce me to his friends as a YouTuber. Like, it's <laughs> ridiculous. That's good street cred right there. Um, but yeah, like, it's like, hey, this is my mom and she's cool. I, I like, it's ridiculous, but yeah. I mean, I've gotten to do some television. I've gotten to do some, uh, lots of brand work and all of that's incredible and amazing. But impressing your eight-year-old, that, that's kind of tops. <laughs> so do you think that they're going to become YouTubers because of what you do? Like, like how do, how does that influence them? So they want to be YouTubers because they like watching gaming YouTubers. Um, they have zero interest in quilting YouTube. It's completely boring to them. They they have zero interest, and that's fine. They don't need to. Um, they know that I know the back end and how it works. And so if they really want wanted to do it, that I could support them in that. But I've told them if you really want to do it, like film five videos, and we'll work through that, and then we'll look at creating a channel. But actually like make some content, just don't make a channel today and say, oh, because I hear a lot of people like I built a channel and I built it eight months ago and it has no videos. You're not a YouTuber until you have actual videos sitting in the channel. So, and they can be bad. Like I'm like one of the world's okayest YouTubers. It's totally fine. <laughs> like make that into a shirt. It really should be. World's okayest uh, YouTuber. Right? I, Will I get a silver play button one day? Maybe, you know, will I get bigger than that? Maybe, but I'm having fun in the place that I am right now, but you, you can't get anywhere else until like you start. So film something, put it up. It's garbage. Learn from it. Make another one. Like your first videos, only your mom and your aunt are really going to watch them anyway. Like it, they're going to love you regardless. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Just love the honesty and the like, rule of it. It's so great. I, I'm sorry. Did I not prepare you for the fact that I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, I think it's perfect because I'm so mm, okay over here too. So I think, it's, I, think I, I, I feel like I have found like my eh, whatever soulmate here. So this is really good. Yeah, um, my my current most used emoji is oh, so oh all the time. that, that and the facepalm. Oh yes, that is probably my top five all the time. The shrug and the facepalm. So yeah. like. Yeah. I just don't remember a world before emojis. Like how did we had context and feeling to words before that? <laughs> it was like the little colon with the slash <laughs> and the little <laughs> colon with like the, <laughs> yes, the OG emoji with the typing and stuff. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. All right. So I, I want to head back to your journey because I find it very interesting because I've not ever met a single YouTuber, a single one that started off on Google plus. So, for those of you that don't remember, Google Plus once upon a time was Google's social network. Like they were trying to be Facebook. They did all of these different things. They did like what you had talked about with like the live streaming piece where like you could go live and put a video and it hosted it to YouTube directly. It was really good for like very niche communities. It was really great for like tech and photography for some reason. I, I for those of you that know, I also was like a Google Glass beta tester. So like I got to use that through Google Plus. So it's really cool. So when you couldn't do that anymore and you transitioned into video, you had talked a little bit about how like you started and you did all these different things. How did that affect the kind of content that you made? And in turn, how did that affect the business that you were building from it? So 
and I don't know the exact timing, but I feel like I was already making that transition before Google Plus was really gone. Like okay. it wasn't that Google Plus leaving really affected me that much because doing a craft live on video, like you can't make a quilt start to finish live on a video. I'm currently editing a video and the footage itself, and I didn't even film the whole process of making this thing, but the footage itself is two hours and 50 minutes. And no one's gonna watch, like someone might watch part of that live. And if they're really bored or really in, like really bored with everything else in their life or really into that one specific thing, they might like have it in the background for three hours while you're working on it. Like if you're really, really engaging. Let's quilt together. <laughs> but yeah, like if you set up that way, like a Zoom call kind of would be, but once it's like up there, no one's, people like, three hours i'm not watching three hours of some chick doing like like mm, no okay, so, I, I, I have to say if people can watch three hours of minecraft i feel like watching three hours of someone craft with something you like they would be down for it you just have to be the witty conversationalist the whole time that i know you can be they think that is truly the time suck of the whole process yeah no so um let's just quilt together i have something like that in the works so we'll see about that but it'll be Ooh. like facebook lives yes yes possibly i'm still fleshing that out but i needed more like curated content more snippets like more content that you know because a lot of like more than 80 percent of my viewers are not subscribers and it's because i'm answering a question they're wanting to know like how do i how do i use a specific quilt ruler how do i make a specific quilt block how do i they're asking that question and they're finding my video and they're watching my video and it's giving them their answer and they don't need more than that so they're not a subscriber and that's totally fine one day i will bring them over to the dark side it's just not today that's okay we got time um so I'm really, I'm answering a question for them. And the, the sooner I can answer that question for them, the more comprehensive and in the least amount of time, the better my video is going to rank on YouTube. Um, the more you, YouTube's going to offer that as the answer for when people search that question, the more views I'm going to get, the more subscribers I'm going to get, the more money I'm going to get and on and on. So to have a more concise video is going to be better generally and so i needed to move from that live streaming format where i'm showing every single step of the process or if i'm not showing every i because if you do a live streaming video you either show the whole thing or you have to prep ahead of time with step outs and that's a lot of work and i'm really lazy and i don't want to do all that work <laughs> i i have kids <laughs> i like i like sleep i don't get enough of it but i do genuinely like the, the sleep that i get um so yeah having being able to to do it as I film it and just do it one time with one set of materials and then be able to cut out the parts that I don't need it just makes for a better user experience in most cases. Yeah, so I think it's important to share. Things are getting really good here, but let's take a quick break from a word from our sponsors. Um, and I remember my dad stopped me that day and he said, here, we're gonna just sit down on this bench and we're just gonna people watch. And I was like five, six years old. I didn't even know what people watching was, but my dad told me, he's like, if you sit long enough, you start to realize that people are very fascinating how they interact with each other, how they dress, just what they're doing in general, but it takes you slowing down and actually paying attention for you to start to notice those things. And ever since he told me that, kind of like I started to use that curiosity as a way for me to slow down intentionally, like slow down and kind of like really start to pay attention to all the little things that would start to stand out to me about like 
a potentially boring scene that's in front of me, but it starts to become lively because I slow down and let that curiosity run its course. You just heard a teaser from the awesome new podcast, The Video Craft Show. The Video Craft Show is a weekly video podcast about the craft and business of content creation. Whether you're an aspiring creative or established video veteran, this show is here to inspire you and help you along your journey. This podcast is actually hosted by John Santiago as he interviews makers and creators about their stages and stories about building their own audience through video. This podcast actually came out brand making new on January 19th of 2021, and I cannot love this podcast more. So if you are looking for more stories and more ways to be a better creator and business owner, this is definitely the podcast that you are going to want to check out. You can find them at thevideocraftshow.com or you can find more information about them and this super awesome new podcast on our show notes at womenofyoutube.com. All right, back to the interview. I just, I think it's really great that you talk about some things that I'd love to dig into, like that you do how-tos, that you're focused on problem solving versus, you know, entertaining and, and community building to an extent. You know, I love that you understand that it takes a couple of times before people are going to come into your world. I know that's something that I deal with all of the time. And I think it's like when I think about YouTube, I think if you were to ask anybody like, or they were to say, I want to be a YouTuber. I think that everyone's mind instantly goes to like the entertainment, vlogging, beauty blogger stuff. When I feel like there's probably way more how to people out there than anything else, because like, like you solve a very unique quilting problems. I solve social media problems. You know, people are solving like legal problems and, and money problems and plumbing problems and tool problems and, and all this kind of stuff. And people are like, that's probably not thought about because it it's not very sexy, but it's also one of those things that's like, but this is the real, the real thing. This is where you get so many great YouTubers who meet those hundred thousand subs, million sub marks and make lots of money from it as well. Yeah. And I mean, there's different, there's a lot of different niches within or niches, however you want to say it within. Um, but it's interesting that we talk about how YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. We don't say YouTube is the second or third largest community in the world. And when we're talking about subscribers, that's creating a community. And when we're talking about answering questions, that is a search engine. So YouTube has the ability to do both. And if you can do both really well, if you can create that community and answer those questions, like that's the money, I think. Um, but YouTube, they've been working a little bit more on creating like those community sides and I being just one person and not, you know, and, and appreciating sleep every now and then, like they have the ability that you can like have a stream or you can type things in like you would on Facebook. I don't know how many people look at that. I don't know. How, like, and I don't use that very well. Maybe that's something I should work on. So, yeah, I mean, you can, you can create that community and really push those subs, but, um, I also can't do all the things. I just can't. <laughs> it's totally understandable. And I think that you're having great success doing it the way that you're doing it. So there's nothing wrong. I would love to have more of a conversation with you about this community thing. How do you think people can bridge the gap or convert people from how to's from search engine to community? Like how does that happen? 
like this is my marketing. So there's a lot of different ways and it's going to depend. So one way is to, um, and YouTube hates this way, is to take them off of YouTube and bring them to a blog and say, you know, subscribe to my newsletter for this blog. And, and YouTube doesn't like that because you're taking them off of YouTube, but then you're creating that community in a space that people are used to getting community, which is in their email inbox. So you can do it that way. Um, another way is through, um, having like an ongoing series. And I've done that a couple different times where it's like, we're going to work on a quilt and it's going to be one block every single week. And I'm going to show you that block. And then next week it'll be another block and next week it'll be another block. And that encourages subscribers because they want like, they want to make the whole thing. So they need to know the next block and the next block. Um, so that's another way to build that community. But like, there isn't an easy way for people to share photos. Like, look, I made the quilt that you showed me how to make, Carolina. Let me share that with you. They have to email that to me. They can't put that in a comment that I know of in YouTube, like very easily. It's not, it's not intuitive anyway. So YouTube's forcing them for that part of the conversation to pull off of YouTube. I've always felt like YouTube is a very one-way conversation. Like, yes, I have comments. And yes, I have my community tab where people can comment. But I, and, and I guess my fellow YouTubers can tag me and stuff, but I, I can't like, there's not that back and forth, like interaction. Like you are almost forced to be put into a different sort of membership situation. Even the YouTube membership, there's not a platform or a place or a forum or something to build a community, like a Facebook group or something or a Patreon thing. Like they don't have it. It seems to actually be a really big missing thing. If they're going to, ask YouTubers to build community and, and drive traffic and continue conversations. You really should give us a platform to, and a space to do that. So especially if you don't want people to leave, like one of the biggest YouTubers educators I know is, is Nick Nimmin and Nick Nimmin, even his membership where you get billed from YouTube, the community is on Facebook. And I feel like that's like a <laughs> competitor situation. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't like, I make sure that I respond to my comments and I answer questions and I engage people in the comment section. Um, mm -hmm. but there's only so much that you can do with text, especially when I do like someone can't say, Caroline, I tried this thing and look, this seam looks wonky. What's going on with it? When they came to one of my classes in person and they were having problems, I could look over their shoulder and look at the sewing machine and be like, Oh, you've got a tension issue or, Oh, you need to change your needle or, yeah, you, your, your bobbin area is all gunked up. Um, or if I looked at their seam, I could be like, oh, are you using the right presser foot? Like we can have all kinds of conversations. Like I could see it, but if someone mm -hmm. messages me, it didn't work. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Book a one-on-one -on -one call with me. <laughs> I would love to do one-on-one -on -one calls, but I have one-on-one -on -one children. So, um, okay, one -on -ones we are, are, are talk about this kid thing. Okay. So, I also have kids and, and I've always been of the mind. So I've, for those of you that don't know my story, I've been a social media marketer since 2009. And so I had all this time before kids to establish a business. Then halfway through it, I had kids and I just basically like stopped existing and being a person for a few years because I was growing them and breastfeeding them and growing them and breastfeeding them at the same time. Like it was this whole thing. And so being a, a marketer or a person, let alone like trying to get on the YouTube was a whole thing. Um, but I made the very conscious effort to like, in order for me to accomplish the goal that I need with my business, it was, I got to get rid of my children. Now I have a, my YouTube channel is to support a service-based business. 
And so it made sense for me financially to put them in some sort of childcare situation. And I mean, I didn't just film in anything, but like find something good that worked for them while my husband was in the Air Force. Um, and so I invested in that. But so many, so many of the women we've talked to have young kids and had to find a way to balance in love. So tell us about how you balance motherhood and being a creator. And I feel like the kind of creator that you are is so much more hands-on and requires so much more work than just setting up a camera and talking to it like I get to. So how, how do you produce what you produce and make what you produce, especially for so long? So um, I don't use the word balance. It's more like a juggling act while walking a tightrope. It's a very special kind of circus. So definitely no semblance of balance here. And uh, when you're spinning a lot of plates, you got to be okay with sometimes breaking some plates and you just got to pick which plates are the ones that are okay breaking and which ones are the ones that got to keep spinning. Uh, my kids always got to keep spinning. So there'll be some times when I won't have a YouTube video up for a week or two and that's okay. Um, I actually had almost the reverse situation that you did, which is funny because we ended up in really similar spots. Um, I was never going to be a stay at home mom. It was not my intent to be a stay at home mom in any way, shape or form. Um, I had my marketing career and I was working in that and, had my child. Um, I had my child in Nevada, which at the time had, uh, um, there, there wasn't time off for childcare. Like there was no paid time off for maternity. Mat I think you got like two weeks or three weeks. And then it was like, Oh, either you pay for it yourself or you go back to work. So, um, I had a company that had some paid child leave, but it wasn't, I mean, my husband got more paternity leave than I got in maternity leave. Yeah, we season. can have a whole rant about the problems. Oh, with anyway benefits in America for sure. Yeah. So my oldest went into the childcare um, and I went back to work and everything was not fine. He did not do well in childcare. We tried several different um, daycares for him. He was, it was not successful. Um, we decided, we decided to have a second child um, and I was pregnant with my second child. My oldest was struggling, just struggling in daycare. Um, and no one's going to love your child the way that you do. No one's going to be able to raise your child the way that you do. Some might come close. We didn't have any family nearby that I could say, okay, grandma, would you watch the kiddo for me? Um, so my options were to leave him in this place where he was drowning or um, go stay home. And with having a second child, my marketing job um, during a recession would barely cover the cost of childcare for two plus gas for me to get to work. So I'd basically be working to break even and my kid be, would be drowning in the process. And personally, and I'm never going to make this choice for anyone else. And I'm never going to judge anyone else for the decisions that they make in their life. But for me personally, I couldn't do it. And mm -hmm. so I made, and like, I don't want to call it a sacrifice because I made the decision that like, I chose to be a mom. I wanted to be a mom a hundred percent. And I have zero regrets about this decision of staying at home. But then I was staying at home and my, I knew my kids were not going to need me forever when they're really young, they, they're so hands-on and then they're napping and you got to yes. clean up all the stuff from all the hands-on and then they're all hands-on again. And then they're in bed and then you're crashing. So when they're really young, there's that, but as they get older, they need you less and less. And so I wanted to use that time where like they're needing me less and I'm wanting to like build what I'm doing and create myself a platform so that when they didn't need me at all or barely at all, that I would already have started to build something like a platform that I could you know, a foundation that I could then build off of. And that was my goal there. And so that's when I started blogging and then started adding video and other social media to that. And so that's how that came about. Now with like the scheduling with them, 
they understand what it is to make video because they see all their favorite YouTubers making videos. So I can say, hey, kiddos, I need to make a video. And if I'm making a video for a client, it'll usually be they can't be in this room, which is tough because they play VR right over there and the gaming computer is right over there. So they're like, oh, how long are you going to be filming video for, mom? Um, <laughs> Go enjoy the sunshine. Vitamin D, guys. <laughs> But if I'm filming just like regular video, um, I'll be like, okay, just like, I can't have you guys making any noise because once you like cut a piece of fabric, if like in the middle of cutting that piece of fabric, it's like, you campers, they're hacking. <laughs> I gotta get a whole new piece of fabric and I can't like, if that was my one piece, I can't like, um, they also know that there's certain parts that I know that I'm going to, to take out the audio that are going to get shortened. Like if I'm sewing on a sewing machine, I'm not going to show like the whole sewing of the seam. It's going to get shortened. And so they'll sometimes just stand right out of frame until I'm at a point where I can say, Hey kiddo, what do you need? And I can answer their question. Um, so they're pretty good about those guys. I mean, you, have them, you have them YouTube trained. <laughs> Basically, apparently it's, it's possible, I guess. <laughs> Most days, nobody's perfect, but I'm not perfect either. It's fine. I, no, I love all that stuff. Like that's, that's no one's had that approach about it. Like a lot of the people that I've talked to that have kids are really little or they're like a lot older. And so there's not that, that level of it. And I love that your kids have got to grown up, grow up watching you be a YouTuber. My, my kids are getting to do that as well. Like my kids love coming up and my, my daughter's always pretending I'm working like mommy and like we got her, she had a camera for Christmas. And oh my God, she just walks around and talks to it. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> <And> I'm like, <coughs> my kid, yeah. 100%. <laughs> so it's just, I think it's really funny. And I think that it's going to be such an interesting thing to see like what a second generation YouTube is like. Like I know that there's some people out there that kind of have the multi-generation YouTube, but it's almost like they sort of is like a family of YouTubers. And then like they're old, as their kids got older, they spawned off and did their whole thing. I think it's going to be a totally different thing where it's like, okay, a parent did YouTube for something very specific and their kids grow up watching it. What is it that they're going to do when it's their turn to decide like what they're going to do for a, a period of their life? Like, are they going to go to college? Are they going to become professional YouTubers? Are they going to like see this different way of living versus like how like you and I grew up living where it was like, you go to school, you go to college, you get a job and then you die. Like that was what it was. And like, we've learned so <laughs> drastically and, and, and uniquely and, and wonderfully that there's more to it than that for sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting. And it could be also be that they watch what I do and they say, yeah, being a YouTuber sounds really fun, but uh, I saw my mom do it and it was not like my dad was a doctor um, and he encouraged all of us not to be doctors. So it can also be like that kind of scenario. I think that I will always teach my kids, like, if you, anything you do, you should also have a YouTube channel too. Because there's, I don't believe in putting all of your eggs in one basket. Even if getting a J-O-B is like their dream. I'm like, you should still have something else. Because you never know what's going to happen. I don't want you to completely fall on your face. And doing something on YouTube is so easy. <laughs> in comparison to other things that you'd have to do is like a side hustle. So yeah, the other side that kind of has concerns. So um, before there were all the COPPA, cause I haven't looked into the COPPA things of like having a child in videos and whatnot. I think I did like one or two videos where my oldest was in the videos with me and I didn't show his face because I'm really like, I don't use their names online and I very rarely show their faces because I just want them to be able to have privacy. Like I'm not, 
I'm not famous, but I have people who I don't know who know me. There are some people out there who I don't know and I don't know their motives. I don't know where they came from. I don't know their backgrounds. I don't know anything about them and they know me. And I've heard too many stories of, you know, kids getting sucked into any of like, so I don't use their names and I very rarely use their faces online. Um, but even that video where he, it was just his hands and he was working on a little project with me, it, he got really into it of mom, how many likes did it get? How many views did it get? And I don't want my kids to have their identity defined by that kind of external, oh man, I got a thousand likes. It must like a thousand, like that, that's a big deal. Or, oh, I only got two likes. I suck. On the days where I get a thousand likes versus the days I get two likes, I suck the exact same amount. There is no difference in that. It's just that the world decided my value in that day and I'm not going to accept the value that they put on me. And I don't want my kids to learn that, you know, your, your value is based on other people's likes. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? No, I think that's a good point. Like I said, this is a, it's a really interesting and I think important debate and conversation to have to to present people with the right information because I know some people like myself, I'm, it's so funny that we're so different. I, myself, my kids have had a digital footprint since literally the womb, you know? So yep. like I've, cause being on social has been a part of my life since like 2006. Like my gratitude for not having a smartphone in high school is increasingly high, but cause the stupidity would have been ridiculous. But you know, uh, my kids growing up with the tech, I feel like has been important because they get to, like, I get to see how they get to see how I use it and I'll be able to understand it with them. So I know how to protect them and what to teach them for that level of protection. And I respect and love that you keep them private for their own, you know, sense of safety and stuff. And also there's something to be said, like they didn't ask me to put their likeness up on the internet. They might not be one of those people that likes that or is okay with that. So it's kind of, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And I think it's important to know both sides. And there's no knowing which decision was right. Like you could be hundred percent right. I could be hundred percent right. The right could be somewhere in between. Like the right is such a gray area. Like there's no black or white in this situation. It's all gray on what's right about what to do with your it's kids. Really it comes down to what's right for the kid. Right. Like you and I could do the same thing. And like my kid do, could do great and your kid could do worse or vice versa. And and it comes down to the personality of the kid and the situation and the environment. And there's so many things to talk about. And I think that it's important. I'm glad that we had that conversation. Look, I'm really sorry to interrupt, but did you know that YouTube is the world's second biggest search engine? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but that's why every creator truly needs to be using vidIQ to grow their YouTube channel. vidIQ's tech helps you tailor your video ideas to match what people are searching for right now on YouTube. And once you're ready to upload, well, it starts optimizing and getting you all the details that you need to make sure your videos are getting noticed. If you really wanna dive in more and get started for free, please head over to thewomenofyoutube.com forward slash vidIQ to get started on this YouTube channel changing tool that is going to make things so much easier for you. All right, let's get back to it. So you obviously have found a way to make a business out of this because you said like when I'm recording videos for a client and building community and stuff. So tell us what has business been like? How does a crafty quilting mama make money? So there's a lot of different ways. Like obviously I have YouTube videos of ads on them. So that's like the 
that like the easiest way to see, okay, there's dollars there and I can just go into my YouTube analytics and see how many dollars I'm making this month on my YouTube videos. So there's that, um, there's doing video for clients. So I'll have clients who will say, you know, can you use this tool or this fabric or this whatever? Um, and I'll make a video that then goes, gets sent to them and that they put on their channels. So I've made money that way as well. Pre pandemic, I was flying out to Chicago and I would film video there for their channels. Um, and I, I would just be like on air talent, like, and I would bring all my materials and everything that I needed and they would do all the work of the video portion. And I would just be the talent. Um, I've done TV. TV doesn't usually pay. I know it sounds like it really should, but, um, unless you are Ellen or you are, you know, the, the, the host of the show, usually, um, you're not doing TV for money. If you're doing it for a brand and promoting brand products, then sometimes you get paid by the brand, but you very rarely get paid by the television show that's having you on. Um, it's usually just publicity for you, which isn't always a bad thing, but I found that generally that publicity isn't what you wish it was. Um, yeah, I'm not getting 10,000 views a day or new subs from one video spot from local TV. Oh, I, I remember being really excited the first time I got on local TV years ago as a blogger. And it was before even I was doing any, I, was, I don't think I did any YouTube at that point yet. Um, I was really excited about the spot I was going to be doing on the news and it was like Christmas crafts. And I'd gone over to the news anchor's home and we'd like make new ornaments with her daughter. And I did like three or four different segments with her. And I was like calling my host, like, how do I expand like my hosting for my blog? Because I'm on the news and I'm going to get like eight. I got eight views that I can track to that, that news being on the news. And like, <laughs> that's a, that's a, like, I feel like someone needs to, like, take this clip and this story and just, like, immortalize and distribute it to everybody that talks about PR. Because people just expect that their business is just going to, like, explode with success from one spot. For for my story where I got eight, um, there might be other stories where people are like, yeah, but I mean, also, I wasn't selling a product. It wasn't like I, I, there was nothing I was doing that was going to revolutionize their life. There was nothing about that clip that they needed to go to my site. They were getting everything out of that new segment that they need. Like I showed them how to make the ornament. They didn't need to go to my site. There was no re unless they were like curious or they're like, oh, she's cool. I do want to follow her. Apparently, and there were eight of those people. <laughs> so like, but if I was selling like, this is the new hair scrunchie and it's the best scrunchie in the world and it's going to change your life and look, it did this. They're like, oh my God, that's the scrunchie I need. Okay. Then maybe they'd come to my site and buy it. But yeah, because it was just straight PR and there wasn't a product involved. The product was me and they already got that for free. No, there was no reason. Yeah. So I'm not saying that you can't be successful for it because if there's anyone like watching this going, oh my God, I got so much success and I'll do all like, I'll absolutely do news again. It's just fun. Um, especially yeah. now that I've been locked in my house for 10 months, like, I'll, like, I want to go talk to the people, go talk to all of the people, right? <laughs> Please, somebody just talk to me. Um, <laughs> so I don't even know how we got on this subject of um, talking about business. How do you make money? Yes. Okay. So, um, I have my blog, I've got ads on my blog I do that. Um, I sell patterns, so I sell quilting patterns. So I have a, a shop where you can buy my quilting patterns. Um, and then I do affiliate links. So that a lot of the stuff I'll affiliate link either in my YouTube, um, I'll affiliate link on my blog. Um, and then also I have my own product. I actually invented a product. Ooh. Speaking of products, um, this is the spot on dot. It's a quilting notion that is um, an adhesive magnifying lens. So um, these ones might need to be washed. I don't know how sticky these ones are. Yeah, it's not that sticky. We'll but make sure just, to link to this in the show notes for those of you listening versus those of you that watched. 
they stick to a ruler so that you can see the lines on the ruler better um, if you're like me and over 40 now and you can't, like your eyes stop working. So they're, um, and they're sold at quilt shops and um, anytime someone buys one anywhere, I get, you know, a couple pennies off of that. So yeah, I really think that diversifying and getting money in like as many ways as possible helps. Um, I also write clients for pattern or patterns for clients. Yes, that would be English. I write patterns for clients as well. So it runs a gamut of different ways. And, you know, some months it's like, oh, I should do more of this because that's where I made all my money this month. And it's like next month gone. Um, and there's a lot of seasonality with what I do. So fourth quarter affiliate revenue always goes up in fourth quarter but then pattern revenue will start going up more in January, February, because no one's buying new patterns in December. They're finishing up their old quilts, but then January it's like, Oh, new year, new, new projects. Well, oh, they patterns. got all this so. gear and stuff for Christmas presents and the sales yeah. and all that. So they finally get to use it and put it to good use. Plus I would like to think a large portion of the country is probably really cold. And so they're like, I'm going to stay home and, and quilt and make stuff to make me more warm. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, so you've talked about like SEO, we've talked about growth and, and all these really I think important things. If you could give a piece of advice to creators, what do you think is one of the most important things that they need that they could do and implement like right now to make to give them better chance chance for success on YouTube? Do what you love because that passion is always going to show through and you will find an audience. Like they might not find you right away this minute, but you'll find an audience for who you are and what you do. Um, but continuing to do something that you hate because this is what I should be doing is not sustainable. Um, and it's a long game. Like the very first video that like I started my YouTube channel 10 years ago, I actually started being more, consistent about posting any kind of video six years ago. And I just last month hit 20,000 followers. Um, and, but my growth rate, like my growth rate, which is the number of subscribers I get per month, that rate has continued to increase and increase and actually is, is spiking way up now because now I'm finding that group. I'm finding that audience. They're finding me, we're connecting. I'm being really consistent about what I share with them and I'm sharing the kind of content that they're looking for. Um, but it didn't happen overnight. And if I would have, six years ago said, okay, I really want to make this YouTube thing work. And I'm going to like do only cat videos because that's what everybody watches. How many cat videos would I have really done before I was like, oh my God, I don't want to see another cat anymore. <laughs> that would have been a lot. So, all right, before we wrap this up, I have a little bit of rapid fire for you. Okay. You ready? No, First but yes. Your mind, what do you film with? Camera. <laughs> I, <laughs> I film I film with two DSLRs. I have a T, uh, T2i and a T6i. Awesome. Who is your favorite female YouTube creator? Angie Holden. And I'm embarrassed. And what's her, what did she talk about? She's the country sheet cottage and she's a really good friend of mine and she's just incredible and I love her. All right. Who's your dream collaboration? Um, any of the, any of the animators. My kids love the animators. We went to VidCon and like we sat in all the animation things. And if an animator wanted to like animate one of my quilt videos, like I've never even thought about this. That would be incredible. I would like, yee, that would be so awesome. Yes, an animator, any of them. What's your worst video you ever made? The one where my thumbprint was over the camera. <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> lesson of, le YouTube lessons in life. Clean your lens before you record. <laughs> yeah. 
You might have to learn that one twice. (laughs) (laughs) And um, what is your next YouTube goal? 100K. Like, I, I, it's going to take me a couple of years based on growth right now. Um, but who knows? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm on this podcast. Clearly, that's going to get me like another 20K right there, right? Everyone's just going to. Oh, 1,000%. So this is yeah, how it's like, We just talked about how great PR is, right? Right? Yes. We're all going to so, support each other just as we can. That is for sure. Let, let's see. So this podcast will then get me eight more towards my 100K. But yes, getting that silver play button is just like, that's my dream. Nice. I bet you. I bet that would really impress your kids too. They would die. Yes. When I hit 20k, my oldest said, "What's your milestone video gonna be, mom?" And I was like, "What? I need to like have 20k scraps of fabric." And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "No." <laughs> start, start, starting, start cutting those squares now. Every new subscriber cut a square for the quilt. <laughs> that would actually be really impressive, though. That would probably get you a lot. Where it's like, my 100k video is like, I've made a quilt with a hundred thousand squares. Like that makes me like, like the anxiety, like all the place just stops spinning right there. I just can't. Yeah, right. I mean, if you started working on it now, you could totally do it. Like five a day, you could be fine. Yeah, then, but that's like less sleep that I get. Everything that I add to my plate, I have to remind myself that's less sleep that you're getting because you still have to do all the things you were doing plus that. And so the only thing that gives is sleep. Can I take a moment to love the fact that you love sleep as much as I do? Because if I don't sleep, the world will burn. Burn. <sighs> yeah, I just, I, yeah. I hear you. Do you think there's room on YouTube for new creators? Always. Always, always. Perfect. Where can people follow you on the YouTubes? On the YouTube, so you can uh, search my name, Carolina Moore. It's spelled Carolina Moore. You can pronounce it any way you want. Just spell it Carolina Moore. And I'll come up, it'll also come up as Craftmore, C R A F T M O O R E. And on most social, you'll find me as Craftmore, except Facebook, where you'll find me as always expect more, which is my blog name. Nice. That sounds really great. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, sharing your genius, giving us some great insights, and just having a really good conversation with me. This was, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Remember, Thanks for having me. I hope that you're like at least half as impressed with me as you were at the beginning. I am like, more impressed with you as I knew I would be. <laughs> but thank you. This has been a blast. I'm so glad that you had me on. Yeah, thank you. Carolina, you and everybody listening, remember you are impossibly amazing. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Women of YouTube podcast. We would love to know what you thought about this latest episode. So make sure to tag us with hashtag Women of YouTube with your thoughts.